Hello, hello, it's Elizabeth Busby here, the Director of Programs for the Theology of the Body Institute. Still makes me so excited to say that. I can't believe it's real life. I'm so excited to have you joining me here for the Discerning Marriage podcast and that we're still on YouTube so you can see me, which is so fun. Um, today, I have a really special guest. His name is Dr. Mario Sacasa. Some of you may know him. Those of you who don't know him are going to be so glad you spent time watching this episode because he has so much to offer you in this season of your life. And I am pumped to have him on. So please help me welcome Dr. Mario. Hello. Hello. Thanks, Elizabeth, for having me on the show. Such a gift to be able to talk to you about discerning marriage, dating well, answering questions that we put out to our followers on social media. So yeah, this is going to be great. Thanks for having awesome. me Awesome. Awesome. He just gave you a huge spoiler, you guys. So here's what we're doing. I probably should have said that. Oh, geez. I started it. See, I, <laughs> I don't know how to follow. It's just, I just messed it up already. I think, done. You, I think you could have trusted me to like say the topic before. Most people probably do that. I just don't know why I didn't. Um, I think because I was going to tell you guys about my coral headband that I just got, that it's my favorite color. And because you can see me, you can see it. And then I was like, I don't need to tell them about my headband. And then now I'm telling you about my headband, but I love <laughs> the headband. I did it anyway. I am okay. not wearing a coral headband, though. <laughs> it's probably good. Feminine, masculine, yeah. the complementarity. It's probably yeah. good. Uh, I think it's, it's more salmon. The same color is called salmon in, in men, though. I think that's how that works. Okay. Good My to know. My wife and I have had this conversation, so... <laughs> I love that. I think she and I would be good friends. Uh, okay, so what we're doing today, Dr. Mario already told you, but what we're going to do today is he has written this incredible program called Dating Well. I will gush more about it later in the second half of this episode. So I'm going to let him talk about that and introduce you guys to that. But I also put out a request for questions on my Instagram and got some actual questions from my people. One of my favorite things to do ever because... I love to talk. I'll talk about basically anything, but it, it's really good for me to know that you actually want to hear what I have to say. And questions give me that confirmation. So we got a bunch. So what we decided is we're going to do a few of them today, and then I'm going to come on Dr. Mario's podcast, and we'll do a few more. Yep. And I doubt we'll get to them all, so we'll do maybe like an Instagram Live or something. Does that sound good? We can like hop on that and answer the rest at some point in the future. But that's what we're going to do today. That's so cool. I'm assuming you're ready to get started because you're like jumping the gun. I'm ready. Let's go. I, I don't have my coral headband, but I'm but I'm just ready to go. Let's get this going. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So first question. How do we get past a second date? Great question. Great question. So how do we get past a second date? Um, I guess, you know, first and foremost, I want to thank the person who asked us and, and I'm trying to think it. I mean, do we think this is a is a guy asking this or a girl? How, how, how do you how do you want to tackle this? I mean, because I there's there's look. a lot here, you know. I forgot to look. Let's start with guy, and then if we Let's have time, we can answer girl. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, because obviously we know that the the challenge with answering these questions is that um, it, they're not we don't know who, who the full context of the person who's asking them. And so I'm always happy to answer them, but always looking at this from an educational perspective and saying, okay, well, how do we kind of more or less globalize the, the, the question that's being asked, but, but still trying to make it, but sometimes it's hard when, without having the full context of, of knowing the person who's, who's asking them. So we're doing the best that we can, but we thank you guys for asking the questions. Um, but just want always want to give that caveat out there. So I guess the question is, you know, how do we get past a second date? And uh, when I think about this question, I, you know, particularly for, for a gentleman, you know, I guess the question is, well, you know, what, what, what goes on, you know, in those first two dates? Is it, is it that there's a difficulty in conversation? Is it that there is a difficulty in relating? Is it that you just don't feel that you're able to, um, 
like, is it from your side feeling that you're not able to kind of move forward? Or is it that like you get to two dates and then all of a sudden, like, it's like the girls are no longer interested. And so there's a lot of, of course, insecurity that that would, that that would provoke in somebody. And I could understand that that would be the question. But I guess what I'm saying is that w- what you could do is be yourself. All right. Let's just start there. So be yourself. Go into these interviews, interviews, <laughs> we're interviewing right now, not, dates aren't interviews. It's not an interview. It's, pretty, it's, not, it's not an interview. It's not an interview. You know, like, that's why they're so scared. Look, Dr. But Mario's that's the point. I guess interview. that's what I'm trying to get to is that you feel, you feel, maybe, maybe I'm projecting right now. Maybe like, you know, it's like, but you know, you feel like you have to kind of like perform or something. I get you got to put your best face forward, but at the same time, like you got to be able to be yourself and you got to be able to talk about like what you like, who you are, without going too far into the emotional stuff, just just kind of at least feeling as comfortable as possible going into the dates. And and that would be my best advice is to to be comfortable, to reveal yourself, to have good conversation, and and then just to see where it goes. If it is that they're just you the dates themselves aren't like there isn't a connection, there isn't a jive, then then certainly, you know, maybe there's a question within yourself about how you're how you're how you're approaching the date. Um, but it could also be, honestly, that maybe just haven't found somebody that you've connected with enough to be able to kind of marry a third date. And and I know that might be a harder answer um, because that's less, uh, we have less control over that. Mm-hmm. But I would say if that's the case, then, you know, like no harm, no foul, like, and just keep trying uh, until you're able to find somebody who you're able to drive with, connect with, and able to go, you know, into into that, uh, that, that third date with. Um, so... I guess that's my, my, my thinking if we're, if we're answering this as like a guy who's asking the question, but I guess I would ask you this question, Elizabeth, which would be like, like as a girl, what would you be looking for in those first couple of dates and what would prevent you from moving on to a third date with, with somebody? Well, I had a couple of thoughts. The first was, this might seem kind of obvious, but I'm just going to tell you anyway, just in case it's not obvious. Please ask her on a third date if you want to go. Um, maybe there's oh, some, yeah, some right. like, right. <laughs> you know, like maybe there's some expectation that it's mm-hmm. going to be more mutual at a certain point or there's, I don't know, there's just a difference in understanding of what the process looks like. So if that's the case, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to like talk about the process. Um, in counseling, we call it meta communication, communicating about communicating. Ooh, that's a big word. Um, and I think it's okay to communicate about communicating, you know, do some meta communication in your, in your discussion of how you want the dating relationship to look like. So if you're not asking on a third date, that would be the first thing Mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, The other two things I was thinking of are like, okay, so I know culturally speaking that there's this high expectation for intense physical intimacy pretty early on Mm -hmm. um, in the dating process. And even up into having sex, like first, second, third date, um, even totally sober, you know, like obviously if you're, if you're intoxicated and you sleep together on the first time you meet, that's one thing. If you're totally sober and you're deciding like this is the time we need to sleep together for data purposes, I don't know. There, there are like reasons why people make these choices. And so it's possible that you're not getting past those dates because you have differences in values um, and differences mm-hmm. in, you know, in, in how you want to live out your moral compass. Um, if that is the case, if some of that is playing into it, I would say maybe find a different pool of people to choose from. Like if you're if you're going on dating apps in particular and you keep find you keep bumping up against this or you go out to bars and you meet people and you keep bumping up against this, maybe try like something like Catholic match or maybe try a young adult group or going to mass and meeting people there. So so maybe it's part of the like the pool where you're meeting people isn't necessarily conducive to finding people with a similar value system. Or if 
if you do, if you are interested in still continuing with the pool you're at, maybe making your intentions clear early on, like I'm not having sex with you. And then like, you know, then you wouldn't get past the first date, but there wouldn't be this awkwardness on like leading up to the third. So that was one of the things I was thinking about that might be an issue. The last thing I want to say about this is what are you doing on those dates? Because I know that like, so when I kind of created this ministry for people discerning marriage, I sort of had myself and my friends in mind, like this is what I would have wanted when I was discerning marriage. But I will be the first to admit that my friends and I are as a rule kind of intense like we knew we wanted to get married and so we were like going like we were intentionally going for it and I think that there are other Mm -hmm. people who are spending their free time watching resources for discerning marriage and dating well and all that stuff who may also be a little bit goal-oriented like you may be focused on really wanting to know for sure but the problem with that is it can lead to conversations that are too serious too fast or like Mm -hmm. a relationship dynamic that is too intimate too fast not intimate in like the like sexual sphere or even like sinning this is not a moral thing I'm talking about here it's just it may be too much too heavy early on so are you having fun on those dates like that's part of what like yes you need to be having some conversations but also you need to be having fun and seeing if you guys can like be friends so if your first two dates were very talk-based or your first date was very talk-based maybe add in some like bowling or um I don't know pottery painting or what do people do for fun? Go I have no hike. idea. I have lots of yeah. little kids. I was thinking about going on a hike. That I love hiking. Yeah. But then I was like, does that lead yeah. itself to like too intense conversation if all you're doing is looking at nature? I don't know. Listen, I have little kids. So every all of these ideas sound really fun to me. But I don't know what single people who have all the freedom in the world want to do for fun. Um, but anyway, find something fun to do. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe like it's just a little bit too heavy early on and having a few dates sprinkled in near the beginning that are just fun. Like you're just enjoying each other and you're just yeah, enjoying your surroundings, enjoying your environment, becoming friends could be helpful. I think that's a great idea. And I think those are great suggestions because it could be that maybe the first two dates were just, you know, coffee and uh, just chatting, which is fine, certainly. But you're 100% right that you have to think about like, what are fun things to do? Going to a museum together, um, going to an art museum together, um, like going kayaking, going on a hike, going, doing bowling and any of the things that you just said, you know, going and doing stuff that actually allows you space to not just talk about yourself, but gives you an opportunity to reveal yourself um, in these okay. kind of little adventures or, or, or moments. You know, when they talk about story writing and character writing, um, they always say, you know, you have to show the audience, not tell the audience mm, um, nice. about this character. And so, so you write into the story or the screenplay, like what the character does and how they respond. And so that's how the personality gets revealed rather than just giving a detailed play-by-play about who they are. Nice. So I, I firmly agree with what you're saying. I think it's a great suggestion that think about the dates, um, think about ways that you can just have fun with them, um, and then and then see if like that merits a third date. Now, I know the challenge is sometimes those things can get a little pricey, um, but but that's okay. You yeah, just have true. to kind of just manage, manage your budget on it. You know, like you try to find the things that aren't as expensive. Good call. Or Groupon. I'm all about discounts. I love Groupon. Frugal with that's money. right. Do people still use Groupon yeah. anymore? I don't know. I don't Does know. it exist? I, I do. Okay. If, I oh, oh, good, good. Local so like, flavor it is a thing. <laughs> okay. Surely there's something I out there you can find deals. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> if you're also a frugal oriented person. Groupon. You, okay, perfect. I do too, but I didn't know if other people did. Yay, Mario. Okay, moving on. So this one is very specific, but I do think it's really worth talking about. So how to not fear dating as a 45-year-old, never married, single woman. Yeah. 
It's a, it's a great question. When, when, when I read that question, my heart, just even now as you're asking it again, just kind of drops a little bit, you know, Me I, too. I feel, um, what I feel in that question, and this may not be what the, the person is thinking or, or articulating, but what I feel certainly in that is, is just a, it's a lot of fear, you know, in that question. Um, that's what she articulated, you know, was, was that sense of having, having fear. Um, and, and there's a lot of reasons why somebody would still be single, you know, at 45, um, and, and it's hard then to overcome those narratives and to then be thinking about, you know, well, is there still hope? Is there still possibility? Is it still worth it for me? And, um, and I would say, yeah, that it is, you know, that it's worth investigating kind of what dates have looked like for you. Again, investigating whether or not, um, what the process has been like, but I think that's also what, what would be helpful is to surround yourself with, with community. Um, so recently I got to speak at the, the national, um, Catholic Conference for Singles, um, or National Singles Catholic Conference. National Catholic Singles Conference, I think. Anastasia Northrup. That's she's it. So Thank great, you. you guys. Yeah. She's so great. great. If you haven't heard of that, yeah, I, so, ooh, I need to have her on my podcast. I'm going to text her. Yeah, she'd be great. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was able to, I spoke at her conference um, here recently. And, uh, and just to be in that environment, I mean, it was, and I would say that the average age was probably about that, about 45, early 40s, individuals oh who have, are single and, and are just trying, you know? And so, there is an element of going to that conference, for example, that, you know, obviously that you just want to meet people and, and have conversation. There's also an element, of course, you want to meet people, not just for friendships, but you're hoping to kind of see where conversations, you know, may go if, if future dates may emerge from that. So there's an element of this question that is, okay, well, what, what, how do you overcome that fear? The only way that you overcome that fear is by engaging with it. Mm. Any, any fear, any anxiety that we have, um, we always need a certain level of kind of, um, you know, progressive uh, desensitization to it. We need to be able to kind of mm. tackle it in, in small bits to be able to say, okay, well, this fear isn't, I can overcome this, not by just kind of, you know, jumping all in, but by gradually kind of taking steps that I need to take to overcome it. And so if that fear is present, then I would say, you know, putting yourself in circumstances where you're with other singles, at least just with community, with friendship, with other people who are in your circumstances, you can share and, are, and, and vocalize those fears and recognize that there are other people who share those fears. That sense of community is already very powerful. Um, so whether that's something like the, the conference that I mentioned or going to a singles you know, ministry outreach at your local parish or your diocese. Um, or connecting with with some other form, you know, of, of that. I think that's a that's one thing. So you can have that support. The second thing is, is just continually putting yourself in the right circumstances. You know, like you said earlier, Elizabeth. You know, I love that you said that. You know, it could just be that there is a mismatch in values, and even in the mid forties, you know, single men or single women are, are just looking for casual hookups. Okay, those aren't the people you want to be. You want to be going out with, and I'm sure this this individual isn't isn't in that in that camp. But it becomes difficult when it seems like everybody you go out with that's all that's all that they want, which is again why you need to surround yourself with with good community. You need to be clear with your values, clear with what you're looking for, have what your you know your your lines are, your expectations are. But then being willing to to just take appropriate steps um, to put yourself out there in a way that that isn't that doesn't feel too risky for you, um, I, I think practically those are some suggestions to consider for this individual. I love it. And building on that, I'm going to take a different approach because I think what you're saying is Do important. It. And I had one other thing that I wanted to add is, um, again, I don't know this person. I love that caveat of like 
if we were sitting down to coffee and you were asking me your question, I could get some history. I could get some background. I could like mm-hmm. see your heart a little bit. I could answer it more clearly. Right. So maybe this doesn't apply to this particular person, but maybe it applies to somebody else listening. Um, yep. And I think that when we fear things, it can be indicative of areas that we can grow and trust in the Lord. Because mm-hmm. if you really truly believe that God is a good father, that you have a good father who wants to give you good things and if he's not giving you what you want right now, it's only because something better for you is going to come um, in a better time. I I think that that is cultivating that, working to cultivate that posture toward the Lord is something that I think is really helpful and really important. And so Pope Benedict, I love him, um, in this book that I can't remember the title now, which is not helpful to any of you. But the quote is that I want to pull out of it is he <laughs> says, the church fathers say that prayer properly understood is nothing other than becoming a longing for God. And I go back to this quote over and over and over. I had it written on like a bookmark that I used in every book I read when I was, um, not exaggerating, when I was like discerning marriage. I was like, okay, I want to learn to pray. And I'm in a season of my life when I'm where I'm discerning marriage, where I want to get married, where I am longing deeply. So if I can figure out how to take this longing that I'm like directing horizontally for a husband and orient that toward the Lord, like recognize what I'm longing for is truly like Christ, the bridegroom and the eternal marriage that is waiting for me in heaven. If I can figure out how to how to address that longing toward the proper orientation, then I'm then my prayer is going to be so much more fruitful. My relationship with the Lord is going to be so much more fruitful and I'm going to be so much more at peace in this season and then in all the seasons that are yet to come. So I would just encourage this woman to take the longing that she is probably feeling so deeply and work in prayer to orient that to the Lord. And every time she's afraid of dating, maybe pray like the litany of trust or something. Um, Like use the fear that bubbles up as an opportunity to turn to trust in the Lord and to like work to develop a deeper intimacy with him um and so then you may be a little bit disgruntled as a 45 year old single woman but you may not fear being single or fear the process of dating like fear what it's going to take um or the wounds that you have in the past or the 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 things that have happened to you in your dating relationship that are making you fear dating in particular those won't be as much on the forefront because your trust in the lord allows you to feel a, a deeper sense of security yeah, so I'm going to piggyback off of that right there and uh, and just kind of add a little bit more because I, being 45 and single is hard. And I understand yes. what you're saying. And I agree with that in terms of that prayer and bringing that. But we're talking about somebody who has been probably praying and filled with this longing for, you know, 20 years at least. Yeah. You know, you're looking at maybe even 25 years from your 20s to being 45. And that's a long time. It's a long time to be waiting. And that's a long time to just be like, optimistic and just like, well, it's just gonna, you know, it's just gonna work itself out type of thing. And so there's, there's kind of a, and, and, and so I agree with what you're saying, but I'm also really just trying to acknowledging, you know, the challenge that it is to hold that tension and to hold that hope and to hold that trust in the Lord, um, even over the course of, you know, 20 plus years or something, whatever this, this, this individual, you know, is asking this question. But again, what we're trying to speak to is what's the fear that's preventing this. And so when we think about hope, all right, let's talk about hope for a second here. Um, and now looking at the psychology of hope, um, the way that's, that psychologists define hope is that they say that hope is defined, is defined by having two things. It's the belief that the future will be better than the present combined with the belief that you have the power to make it so. 
And so the, the, psycholo the psychologist researchers of hope use these kind of funny words where they say you have to have way power, um, excuse me, you have to have willpower, this desire, this interest. Okay, so you want to get married, you want to go on dates, you want to do that. All right, you have the desire for that. That's one aspect of the definition of hope. But the second aspect of the definition of hope is the ways, the capacities, the knowledge, the skill set, the pathways, knowing how to be able to accomplish that. See, when you, when you then have hope, you can see that you have both. You have the capacity, the desire, and you have the capacity, and you have the patience to wait for the right opportunity to be able to engage in that. What that means is that anybody who has hope, anybody who's trying to actualize a goal in life or is trying to accomplish something new or bring about some good recognizes that the, the process of being able to accomplish that thing or to seek out that goal or to acquire that habit, whatever that is, there's no easy way to do it. Every mm. process, every movement forward is going to have some obstacle. And so hope takes into account those obstacles. And so part of recognizing um, this pathways thinking is to say, well, what are the things that I genuinely have control over? Which is why I go back to this question for this person nice. saying, well, what, what genuinely are the things that you feel that you have control over? Yes, absolutely. We need to pray. Yes, absolutely. We need to be able to trust in our providential father. Yes, absolutely. We need to be able to have God purify the longings within our heart. And the reason he forces us to wait often is it because he's forcing us to sift through our desires. See, not mm. all our desires come from the Lord. And so, but God, God through, through the virtue of temperance is asking us to sift through those desires so that the holy ones are the ones that emerge. And so they become nice. exactly what you said from Pope Benedict, which is that then it becomes this longing, longing within us that is purified is, is then met with the Lord. Okay, that's a spiritual way of looking at this. That's beautiful. But then the other piece is, part of that is that the pursuit of, of what God has given to us as a desire, the pursuit of that is the thing that then actually makes us a saint. And so we think about like the parable of the talents, whatever talents we have, it's the engagement, it's the process, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. You know, like there's, there's, there's an action oriented to mm, the scriptures and to the spiritual it. life as well that we have to take into consideration. And so when we look at hope, we're, we're trying to hold the tension of both of these of, well, what's the desire? That's genuinely God-given. And, and where do I need courage and the capacity to be able to develop the skills that I need to go and get it and to go after it and to go pursue it? And so for this person who's asking this question, I'm challenging you and asking you to really kind of sift with both of these questions, which is certainly, as Elizabeth said, to take this to prayer, to bring this to the Lord, to unite your longings with him, absolutely. But then also have a self, a, a, sense, a sense of self as to what do I need to do to improve my capacities to be able to date? Like we said, going to conferences, being in singles ministry, you know, looking at dating programs, reading books that kind of help you because there's an element of this that is a skill. And I get that. And that can help you kind of develop some of the skills that we need to, to be able to, to go out on dates and, and, uh, and to overcome those fears. Um, so, yeah, that's just a little bit of, of my thoughts, piggybacking off what you just said. No, that's perfect. I'm glad I went there because that's a really mm -hmm. helpful piece that people have. And I love that. Um, that healthy control mindset, right? Um, we know mm -hmm. that we, she didn't say anxiety, she said fear, but we know that we as people yep. feel anxious when we are imagining something in the future that we think we can't control and that's what lends to anxiety. So I love that you said right. that because I think there are a lot of people, particularly who've been waiting for so long, who can fall into anxiety about it and what you're saying totally addresses that too. So this woman, well, you fall into this, other you, people. You fall, you've, it's easy to fall into the scripts that this is just the way it's always going to be. And yes. it's easy to fall into yes. those narratives that become this negative self-fulfilling prophecy. And, yeah. um, um, and we're trying to, we're trying to tackle that. You know, that's what we want to tackle. Awesome. So I hope that is helpful for you. 
person who is yeah. asking this question. Okay, so I'm Great actually question. going to move on. I know we only got to two, but these were so fruitful and good. Move. I'm actually going to move on to talking about dating well because I think that's a really oh, good great. segment. So, uh, segment. That's a really good segue into what I want you to talk about to my people for dating well. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background here. I get asked on a very regular basis for, okay, so actually I'm going to back up even farther. So I am really passionate about the stage of dating that I named pre-engagement, which is, you know, you're in a committed relationship, you're not engaged yet, but there's this season where you want to go deeper and you want to know the person more intimately. And so that I, I've developed a course that we're going to launch with the Theology of the Body Institute at some point um, next year, hopefully. And that I, you know, most of my work is, is kind of bringing awareness to this season of a person's life and like what to do when you're in it. But because of that, I get a lot of questions about what to do like before then um, and how to date really well as a Catholic. And I just don't personally know any kind of comprehensive books about the topic. I know a lot of different elements of dating that are important and books on those elements of dating that are important. But I don't know really any like comprehensive like start to finish, if you will, um, book about how to do it. And so uh, when I found out about your Dating Well program, which is basically that just in a video form, not a book form, I was <laughs> pumped. So I think that this is going to be something that's really helpful for my audience in particular. I think I'm going to get to recommend it a lot, which I always, when someone asks me a question, I always want to give them an answer. So I'm happy to be able to have something to reply that's like very pithy and succinct, like do this program. Um, anyway, so that's my background. And that's why I think it's so worth y'all's time to hear about this. So Mario, can you talk to me a little bit? about dating well, where it came from, what it is, how it works, all that jazz. Yeah. Thanks, Elizabeth, for giving me the time to be able to talk about it for sure. Like you, it's it's an area that I'm that I'm passionate about. So I've been a licensed marriage and family therapist for over 15 years. I've been doing this work and it's been a, a graced uh, position to be able to walk with couples um, at all stages of the marriage. Um, so I work with people that are dating. I work with people that are engaged. I work with people that are early marriage. I work with people that are on the brink and trying to save their marriage. I work with people that have gotten divorced and trying to you know, move on in life. So it's a privilege to be able to work with people and to, to walk with people um, in, in these stories and, and experiences. I know you're a therapist as well, so you, you recognize the privileged position that, that we're in at times in people's lives. Amen. And so over the last few years, I've, I've been hearing kind of stories from some of my young adults that, that I've been working with. And 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 I kind of like when I find myself repeating myself, you know, uh, a few times in sessions, I'm like, ah, it probably means there's a lot more people that are thinking this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's and so and around that same time, I, I was shifting and in, in a, a job I was working at Notre Dame Seminary and then uh, started working for a position in, in a, a nonprofit here in, in, in New Orleans. Um, I say here, I just moved to Charlotte, but I, it, so, but it's still here, whatever that is. But I started working for a nonprofit <laughs> based out of New Orleans. Uh, called Faith in Marriage. And what we do is we primarily do marriage retreats. I do my podcast, Always Hope, and uh, we create great resources for couples. Um, Always Hope is not just for couples, it's, it's for general audience, but trying to help people kind of grow in their emotional, spiritual, and relational health is really kind of the focus of the work that we're trying to do. And so just kind of seeing like, okay, well, what, what can we grow? What can we offer? And uh, the idea came to like, well, let's just kind of do like this uh, little lead magnet, you know, on like dating. I can just write a little book and, and uh, you know, we can put that on the website, give that for free, kind of drive some email traffic, you know, no problem. Well, when I sat down to write that, I was like, oh, I got a lot more to write. You know, within like a few <laughs> weeks, I realized like this is, this is not just like a simple ebook, you know, like there's, there's a lot more that I want to say to this than, than, uh, you know, five or 10 pages on some PDF. Um, and it's because it was boring out of these questions and conversations that I was having and, and 
and speaking at college campuses and, and speaking to young adult groups. And I was like, okay, there's, there's a need that's here. People really kind of want to know how to, how to do this. Um, and, and so I, I wrote, you know, a, a kind of a manuscript for it, floated that to a couple of publishers. Um, it, nobody really bid on it, which, which was fine. Um, and it just pivoted again. And so then we were, had the opportunity that we got this grant um, money from this philanthropy group in New Orleans called the Women's Giving Circle. Um, that we were able to use that grant money and then purchase the video equipment. Um, and we just produced the thing ourselves. And so it shifted from an ebook to a book book to then an online course, which is where it stands right now. Um, and so we're very grateful to, to have this program out and, and available to people. It's been something that I've been working on for, for a few years. And I'm grateful that it's been out now since Valentine's Day of this year is when we dropped it. Um, it. And grateful to be able to have helped, you know, the hundreds of people who have purchased it thus far and have received it, you know, very well. So what it is, is that it's, it's 19 video lessons that, as Elizabeth said, it kind of just kind of takes you by the hand and, and starts the beginning of a relationship and goes all the way to the end. And that end is in terms of breaking up or even moving towards engagement. And so really just trying to help people in that dating phase of the relationship. Uh, I know you have six kind of stages of the relationship. I, I, I narrow that down to five. And, uh, and, and I think we're right. So your six is probably better. But the five that I see is um, <laughs> just kind of friendship, casual dating, serious dating, engagement and then marriage so there's a progression there's a telos in relationships and so I, I think that that needs to be communicated because that the the reality that there is a certain movement uh, that there's a goal that we're trying to accomplish in relationships has, has been lost there is we're, we're not just self-determining what relationships are there there's something that we're trying to accomplish when we move forward with this again i'm not trying to make it super heavy right out of the gates that like you know we got to get married or not no no it's okay there's so i talked about this in terms of there's space for just casual dating um, but you can just casually date and just have conversations and go out with people and just kind of hang out and see who's fun, who's not, who you're connecting with, who you're not connecting with. You do that for a little bit. Then at some point you kind of start, you know, closing the doors on, on casual dating and you're starting to focus on one person. Well, what does that look like? Um, how do you know to make that decision? Um, how do you know when to start talking about things? How do you know when to start bringing up the past? How do you know when, uh, if it's a long distance relationship, what are the things you should be looking for? How do you know if 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 there's if pornography is an issue in this relationship? Why don't you even talk about that? How do you know when to bring up you know past and and bring them to dinner and share with them the family? How how do you know if things are going well? How do you know if you're arguing too much and and need some guidance and knowing like what you should be looking for? That how do you know if you should be breaking up with them and what to be assessing? So like those are all each of those questions that I just threw out are all individual lessons, which is why there's 19 of them. Um, because we're trying to really go through, you know, every nook and cranny of a relationship and trying to answer as many questions as we possibly can to give you some guidance uh, to be able to help you navigate this this kind of, you know, confusing stage of 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 dating. Um, and so, you know, the program then is hinged on a couple things. One is, like we said, you know, there's five stages of relationship and there's a progression through them. And we talk about what the progression looks like. But then the second piece is that dating is an act of discernment. And I know you and I have talked about this before, and I think we're kind of in agreement that discernment isn't just some like you just pray your rosary and then, you know, you get the answer at the end. And I mean, those type of manifestations certainly happen and can happen, um, but they're not the norm. You know, the, the norm isn't uh, the enunciation. The, the norm isn't um, uh, St. Paul, you know, hitting, um, you know, hit, you know, uh, knocked off his high horse. You know, those aren't, those aren't the norms. Those are special graces given to those individuals uh, because of the particular role that they played in salvation history. Praise the Lord for that. But for the majority of us, the sermon is this process of, of growing interiorly. And I would say even for 
you know, St. Paul, like he still had to grow in, in his own discernment in his own life. And so we all have to kind of navigate within ourselves how we, how, like, like we said earlier, what is the Lord calling us to? And then how do we engage with that? And so then we engage with that and then we reflect on that. And so there's a lot of this process of, of engagement and reflection that I, that I, that I ask the, the viewers or the, the, I don't know what's the right word. The students, what, what word are we using? The people who um, participants the is what I use readers. for mine. Participants, participants, participants is what I use for next step. But, yeah, but your next step is no. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who are going through the course, whatever the right term is, you know, like <laughs> you know that like uh, what, what I'm what I'm encouraging people is is to to not be afraid to engage, but to not be afraid to reflect on that engagement. And so that's that process of engagement and reflection that I'm asking often and, and, and getting you to think about what that means. And so then with that reflection, that's the process of discernment. That's where you're testing the spirits, that's where you're testing the movements within your own heart and saying, okay, well, what am I really experiencing? What am I really feeling? And then how do I, how do I know if I want to move forward? And so I'm not trying to make people, you know, trying to combat perfectionism as well with this. Like <laughs> we're just taking it easy. Like it's okay. You know, we're going to have fun with this. Um, and, uh, and, it's, and, and just trying to offer just a little bit, you know, to help people kind of navigate the, like I said, the, the tricky scene that is dating. So that's a little bit about dating world. I'm so glad you said that. Thank you so much. You guys, as I mean, I gushed about at the beginning, I think after hearing him talk about it, you can understand why. It's very helpful. So normally the last thing that I ask my listeners is for one practical tip that all of my people who are watching can take away and implement. But as I was thinking about asking you this, I want to pose that the practical tip is that they go check out dating well. Like I seriously, I just get this sense that the people who are watching this, who are discerning marriage and whether you're in that, you know, single dating, casual dating, you're not really, I use the word commitment for what you say, mm -hmm. serious dating, but what, when you're in that mm -hmm. um, stage before you've made a commitment to someone like being boyfriend, girlfriend, or whether you're yep. in that stage where you are seriously dating them to use your language or you're in a commitment to use mine. I really yeah. think that you have so much to offer and Anyway, so that's what, is that okay? Can I like pluck that back away yeah, from you and sure, of offer that practical like that. tip? I'm not okay. say no. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's harder for someone program. to like push their own stuff. So I'll push it for you. Um, or maybe it's harder for me. I hate it. I appreciate it. Doing that. So anyway, I, that's I what I want you guys to do. I appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. Please check it out. And in, in video lesson three is available for free. Um, if you <gasps> enjoy lesson three, then you'll enjoy the program. If you don't like lesson three, then you're not going to like the program. So, you know, that's it. So if you, right, if you like lesson thing. three, then you'll like what I have to say. So go check tip. it out. Um, go check it out for free. I, I so enjoy nice. doing it. I enjoy the video format. Um, the lessons are not long. They're seven to 17 minutes in length. Um, and so they're not meant to be, you know, anything that's taxing of people's schedule. I have reflection questions that follow each lesson. I have some practical exercises. I do have a PDF transcripts of the lessons and the questions. So if you're the type of person that likes to watch it, but likes to be able to read along, then certainly you can do that. Or if you, you can't download the video lesson. So if you want to take the content that is, that is offered in that lesson to, to the chapel, to prayer, or you want to journal about it later, that's why we have those PDFs available for you. So you can download all of that. Then you can take that with you, you know, wherever you're at and uh, be able to pray more about, you know, the stuff that we're given. So it's a great program. The feedback I've been receiving from the viewers thus far has been very positive. I've had people who've told me that it's been helpful to them. I've had some people tell me that they've just come out of a breakup and they've done the program and it's helped them understand why the relationship mm -hmm. didn't work. Um, and, I, and I found that to be very, very helpful for that. Um, so, you know, that's it. That's, that's dating well. <laughs> 
Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me. I'm so grateful. You're welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you for all the good work you're doing with the Theology Body Institute. Blessings to you. Thanks be to God. All right. And all of you who are watching this or listening to this, um, thank, I, thank you. Thank you so much for joining. I know your time is so precious and I am honored that you're giving some of it to me. And I'm so hope, hoping and praying that this is fruitful for you. So until next time, stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid. Bye. Thank you.